welcome back to another episode of the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich. And I'm Vera Sarzano. And we would like to welcome you back to Season 6, Episode 2. Ciao, Vera. Ciao, Nathan. Come stai? <laughs> bene, bene. What's going on over there? You know when you're so tired and overwhelmed and you, you are beyond tired and so you it, it looks like you're very energetic and holding it together but you're not that's how i'm doing right now <laughs> oh i feel like you may have just described me almost every day of my life but i'm assuming this has something to do with the fact that you are in the middle of like a major life change because of this move oh yeah and on top of that i have so many things going on like trying to get my new internet provider but that says it won't work there because I'm too much in the middle of nowhere and you're like why are you living here it's like there's no connection here so we cannot help you and then I'm kind of behind with my Kikagram Instagram profile uh, because I had scheduled conflicts with Irene and we weren't able to record all of our videos yet but they're still there and we have our followers trying to say where are you we miss you come back and I feel bad but at the same time it's so good not to have to do that right now because it's already too much so yeah welcome to my life yeah being a creator is hard because it just takes one or two people to reach out that have noticed that we're not there we put so much pressure on ourselves but I'm so glad that you're allowing yourself just to take a break because you have been going nonstop with Kiki Graham for how many years now? It's going to be three in November. That's a long time of how many videos a week? Seven. That's an enormous number. Seven times. That's like 1,474 posts, videos. Oh we God. stopped in August, for example. So, yeah, 1,500. For three years almost doing that nonstop, and then all of a sudden it's taken out. You must have this huge amount of time that you didn't have that feels weird, but you're also so busy with other stuff that you really don't have any free time. And now you're trying to add that back in. And plus, your co conspirator in that, I'm probably not supposed to say this, but she just came down with a condition that's going to keep her from not being able to do that with you? Yeah, probably. I don't know for how long, but yeah. So if you're following us on Instagram, just hang in there a little bit more. We'll be back. You'll figure it out. But yeah, give yourself a break. You're in the middle of a move. That's a big deal anywhere, but that's a really big deal in Italy. And for Italians, I know. We're going to get into some good stuff today. And before we have our new segment which is our back and forth Italian conversation which it's really been challenging for me to speak this much Italian non-stop and especially Italian about such very specific things but it's been really really good but I have felt like it was maybe a bit much for a lot of our listeners we know it's a bit much but for those of you who are nowhere near fluent keep something in mind this is just one short 10 minutes or less segment. And if you're moving to Italy, you're going to be dealing with this every single day that you're here. So getting used to hearing Italian and getting used to hearing Vera speak Italian 
and getting used to hearing me in my my, my, <laughs> my accent that Alessandro tells me I sound like the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> the last three popes were not from Italy, and the fact that I sound like them, I guess I feel like I need to work on it. But anyway, we're way off track here. But what I was trying to say was, we got a really great suggestion this week from a really longtime listener who we love hearing from, Tom from Boston. Tom reached out and gave us a really great suggestion, right? Veda, what did he say? He said he loves the conversation, that it's really good exercise for him, but that a transcription would be very helpful. Somewhere where he could read what we are saying in Italian to practice it more and, you know, to see it written and maybe listen to it over and over while reading. And we told him, sure. Well, I told him, sure, Nathan is going to do it. (laughs) Exactly. And so starting now, there's going to be a link in the show notes. So that means you go into the episode and click on a link and it'll open a document and you can follow along with us. Like when the podcast episode launches, you can just click on that and you can have the document open so you know what we're going to be saying. And it's going to have things broken down, right? Veda, you've got it organized for us. And how is it going to be laid out? Well, it's going to be exactly what we say during the podcast uh, with the dialogue and everything. So you will have the, the, the Italian transcription and we give the translation uh, during the podcast. And my suggestion is for you to listen to it in Italian only without reading it a first time to see how many words you get here and there depending on your Italian level, of course, then read it and finally listen to it a second and third and fourth time. That will really help, you know, boost your vocabulary and also listening skills. For our conversation today, we are going to share with you just our week, like something that we did this week or so on. Now, there are a few keywords that I want you to learn today, and those are Luva. Luva. So that's a weird one. It's actually pretty easy because it means grapes, but it's full of exceptions. First of all, L apostrophe, that's the article. So the, and then uva, just three letters is uva is grape. And for those of you who are already a little bit familiar with Italian, it's feminine singular because luva is like the, the, the whole bunch is just the general name for the fruit, okay? So <clears throat> it's singular and feminine. But then we don't say, I eat due uve. It makes no sense. We call them acini. So we call them little grapes. I know it's confusing. It's a weird word, but we say uva is grapes. And then we have a very important word for the month of September. And that is la vendemia. La vendemia, which is harvest, just for grapes, though. Mm -hmm. La vendemia is grape harvest. And finally, I have another keyword for you today, which is terrificante. Nathan, do you know what terrificante means? Um, Does it mean like horrified? Yeah, horrifying in this case. Okay. But the important thing is that it does not mean terrific. So 
be very careful when you speak Italian and you say, oh, this restaurant is terrific or, you know, this is terrific because we get offended because you're saying it's horrible. That's a false friend, isn't it? It is. It is. And finally, the idiom. So <clears throat> I'm going to talk about something that andare storto. Andare storto. So something that va storto. Mm -hmm. You try and figure out what that means. But basically, on Saturday, everything andato storto. Mm -hmm. Let's see if you guess what that means. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Okay, andiamo, Vera. Bye. Settembre è un bellissimo mese per stare in Italia. Sono d'accordo. Questa settimana, durante una delle mie passeggiate matutine, ho visto i promissi segni del cambio di stagione. Quest'anno per la prima volta ho visto i trattori che arrivavano nei vignetti del Prosecco e i contadini che portavano casse d'uva. Anche qui è iniziata la vendemmia, sai? Ah, sì. Ho sentito il meraviglioso profumo di uno smantas in piena fioritura e ho notato le foglie divertare gialle. Una mattina molto presto mentre ero fuori per una passeggiata prima dell'alba, sono passato davanti a un albero di osmantas in piena fioritura, su una stradina con tante belle case. Ho spezzato un piccolo ramo che pendeva sul marciapiede per portarlo a casa ad Alessandro, ma mentre andavo via ho notato che il proprietario della casa era sotto il portico a fumare una sigaretta. Mm. Mi ha visto rubare un ramo della sua pianta. No! E che cosa ti ha detto? Niente! Ha fatto una faccia sconvolta e inorridita, ma io ho continuato a camminare veloce e ho fatto finta di non averlo visto. <ride> Nathan, sei sempre il solito, veramente. <ride> <ride> giusto, vero, giusto, giusto. E tu, Vera, che cosa hai fatto questa settimana? Guarda, io ho avuto una settimana veramente intensa. Preparativi per il trasloco, certo, ma anche il lavoro. Mercoledì ho passato una giornata bellissima. Sabato, invece, è stata una giornata terrificante perché è andato tutto storto. Ah, che cosa è successo? Allora, mercoledì è venuta a trovarmi una mia allieva e anche tu la conosci bene. Shelly dallo Stato di Washington. Oh sì, ciao Shelly. E che cosa avete fatto? Allora, io, Shelly e la sua amica Susan siamo andati a visitare l'azienda vinicola più antica d'Italia e abbiamo visto passare i trattori pieni d'uva perché è iniziata la vendemmia. 
poi siamo andate a pranzo a Radda in Chianti e poi siamo venute a casa mia dove Luca ci aspettava con un buonissimo tiramisù e una bottiglia del prosecco preferito di Alessandro. Mm, che bello! E mi avete chiamato con festa, vero? Sì, è stato come, come averti lì con noi. Mm -mm. Sabato invece pff, è andato Oddio. tutto storto. Oddio mio. Allora, la mattina ho cancellato un file, uno, dal computer ed è sparito tutto. Oh. Ho perso tutti i miei file, il mio lavoro, le traduzioni, tutto. Ti giuro, mi veniva da piangere. Poi sono andata nella casa nuova con il tecnico per internet, ma ha detto che non posso installare l'antenna. Poi il pomeriggio il telefono di Luca ha smesso di funzionare e la sera ho messo l'acqua per la pasta sul fornello, ma mi sono dimenticata di accendere il fuoco. Oh no, che giornata terrificante, vera? Ah sì, per fortuna ho risolto tutto. E oggi sono felicissima perché sono qui con te a registrare il podcast. Oh, meno male. Okay, so I started off by saying September is a beautiful month to be in Italy. And this week on one of my early morning walks, I saw the very first signs of the season changing. For the first time this year, I saw tractors arriving in the Prosecco vineyards and the grape pickers carrying their crates of grapes. And I smelled the beautiful fragrance of the osmanthus blooming, and I noticed the leaves becoming yellow. You know, I talked in, in the past about osmanthus and picking the flowers to make tea because it's a very traditional and very, very valuable Chinese tea flower. And when that blooms, it fills the air with this fragrance that is absolutely incredible. Vera, do you know about osmanthus? You know what? I wanted to share this with you. I'm so grateful you stole that branch today, this week, because I think it was like three years ago, maybe. I don't remember. And it was around September or beginning of October. And I was walking uh, past the house and I saw this beautiful tree that smells so good. I mean, and it had these tiny, tiny white flowers. And I tried to find what kind of tree it was, but I never figured it out because I wanted one in my garden. Mm -hmm. And I sort of forgot about that. I took a picture, but, you know, it even trying to find it online, it didn't work. Or I just forgot about it. And now when uh, you told me you were going to talk about, okay, we have the Italian name. Now I double checked it and it's Osmanto, Osmanto. Uh, but you use the Latin with an English pronunciation, so that was fine. And basically, I totally forgot. And when you wrote about this Osmanto, I looked it up on Wikipedia and I was like, that is it. That's the one I wanted. Do you think I can plant it in my new garden here in Tuscany? Ovviamente, perché no? Oh. Allora mi aiuti tu. Assolutamente. Grazie. Ma, 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 esistono due tipi diversi. Yes, so when you do get this, Vera, this tree, I'll help you get it. We'll go to a nursery together and I'll help you pick, pick out a good one. They grow very, very slowly. Okay. So we'll try to get one that's a little bit bigger to start with. 
You got to make sure we get the one with the orange flowers that are the exact color of ripe apricots. And they smell actually a little bit like apricots, but even more fragrant. Yeah. And of course, that's the version that I stole from this man. <laughs> but we're going to get to that in a minute. Okay. So getting back here, I said I smelled the beautiful fragrance of the osmanthus blooming and I noticed the leaves becoming yellow. One very early morning while I was out for my walk before the sunrise, I walked past an apricot osmanthus in full bloom on a lovely street with beautiful houses. And in typical fashion, it was early in the morning, the sun wasn't even up, so I didn't expect anybody to notice or any care. There was this one branch sort of hanging over the sidewalk off of this shrub in someone's yard. So it wasn't like I reached into their yard. It was hanging over the sidewalk. And I just happened to see this branch that was about the size, the length of my arm. So it was kind of a large branch. But the branches are brittle. And I know they break very easily because I've broken plenty of them in my life. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to just, I just immediately had this thought, oh, I'm going to just snap this off and take it to Alessandro. Because when you bring a branch of blooming osmanthus into your house, the entire house will smell like osmanthus for days. And so I just snapped it off as I was walking past very casually. And then I just glanced over my left shoulder towards the house and there standing on the porch, smoking a cigarette, like with a look of shock and horror on his face was the owner of the plant that I had just stole from. And he looked at me like, what did I just witness? And who does this person think he is? just tearing my plant apart and continuing to walk down the street as if nothing happened. Anyway, I just turned and looked straight ahead, held the plant to my side and just continued walking and started walking faster because I was like, what if he starts chasing me and yelling at me? <laughs> and as soon as I got to the end of the street, I turned quickly and then I made another quick turn. Anyway, so that's what I shared. I, I of course, elaborated a little bit, but that is what I shared in my conversation for this week. And that's what you always do because I remember when I came and visited you in Conigliano that we went up to the castle. Okay, we, we didn't walk up there because I'm lazy. Everybody knows that by now. We drove up to the castle, but then we walked down the hill. And, you know, there's this road that's street with all the street lamps. It's really beautiful with all these nice houses. And <clears throat> on the walls around the houses, And the fancies or whatever, there were these jasmines that were like in full bloom because it was the end of May, right? Beginning of June. And it was just so perfect and so beautiful. And I saw Nathan just, you know, stepping a little bit away from me and tearing down half of a jasmine from a house. (laughs) Casually walking down the road and I'm like, yeah. All right. My house is now good when I get home. So I'm going to put this, you know, in the living room, in the dining room. <laughs> Let's keep it real that um, I didn't like climb over the fence into someone's <laughs> yard. This was cascading down into the street and I just pruned it. Okay. Cascading down. You should be a lawyer. Anyway. 
your part that you shared, Vera, in Italian. Let's hear that translated. Well, you asked me how my week was, and I said that it was a very, very busy week for me. Uh, busy with work and getting everything ready for the move. And then I said that Wednesday was an amazing day, while Saturday was horrible because everything went wrong. Remember the idiom? Andare tutto storto. So we say everything went. Do you know what storto means? Wrong. Well, y- yeah, it's, but the literal translation of storto is like tilted, leaning, crooked. Mm-hmm. That's what storto means. Is that the word that people use to describe the leaning tower of Pisa? No, we would use pendente. But for example, if you hang a picture on the wall, and I say, no, it's torta. So it's like being mm. on one crooked. side. Okay, lopsided, crooked, off. Yeah. Okay. So that's what storto means. Obviously, we use it as use, use in English to go wrong, but it's not the exact translation of wrong, which is sbagliato. So, è andato tutto storto. So, not the way it was supposed to go. So, what happened? Let's start with the good news. I said that on Wednesday, a student of mine came visit me here. And you, Nathan, know her very well because it's Shelly from Washington State. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Our dear friend, Shelly. And Shelly and her friend, Susan, who's also amazing, um, and I, so the three of us went uh, and visited the oldest winery in Italy. And we saw tractors full of grapes uh, because harvest has started already. And then we went to Radda and had lunch there. And then we came home where Luca was waiting for us with a decadent tiramisu and a bottle of Alessandro's favorite Prosecco. Oh, and I said, Che bello, e mi avete chiamato con FaceTime, which means... Yeah, that we face... Well, how nice. And then we FaceTimed you. We tried a couple of times and finally <laughs> you answer our call. And it looked like you were there with us. So nice. It was nice. I did feel like I was kind of there, but it, you guys were also sitting outside at this beautiful, this beautiful table at your villa sitting on a hill in Tuscany at sunset, eating a decadent teramisu and some chilled Prosecco. So it it wasn't quite like I was there with you, but I was glad to talk to you on the phone. (laughs) And well, and you were glad, probably you were not here with me on Saturday because that was the worst day ever. So I said on Saturday, on the other hand, everything went wrong in the morning. I, stupid me, I didn't say that, but I'm saying it now, stupid me, I tried to delete a file from my computer and everything disappeared. I lost all of my files, all of them, my translations, my work, my lessons, everything. I wanted to cry. Then, Luke and I, so we went to the new house with the internet provider technician 
And he said, we cannot install the new antenna there. <laughs> and then in the afternoon, out of the blue, Luca's phone stopped working. <laughs> and in the evening, I put the pasta pot on the burner, you know, I was making dinner, and I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said that luckily everything is fine now. And today I'm very happy because I'm here with you, Nathan, recording the podcast. Exactly. Now, I also said, Che giornata terrificante. Mm-hmm. Which means? What a horrible, horrible day. Esatto. And that's that word you talked about, terrificante. Correct. Which is not terrific, but terrible. Esatto. And then, of course, I said, meno male, which means, thank goodness everything turned out and thank goodness you're here. Ah, oh, Wow. So a full day of that was supposed to be a busy, productive work day. You're spending now the whole day that you're supposed to be preparing for this move and working on your translation. Now you're desperately trying to see if there's any way for you to get all these files back that you've lost. Well, actually, luckily, I was smart enough to just, you know, try immediately and, you know, like go back, undo, undo, whatever, and then just leave it there. And I tried to find someone who could help me. But most of these remote, I don't know if any of you does this as for a job, I need some help. <laughs> you know, <laughs> IT guy or whatever. Anyway, they were, most of them were open from Monday till Friday, but it was Saturday. So I sort of knew that I had to wait until Monday. And as for my translation, of course, I have backup copies. But yeah, in the past few days, I had forgotten. So let's say I had lost two days of work, not the whole thing, but still two days, which is a lot. But I couldn't, you know, work and focus on my translation work because I was, yeah, I, I mean, I, I couldn't even sit in front of a computer because my brain was racing. And so I started packing books. And I think that yesterday we have like Uh, 30, exactly 30 boxes full of books. So we think it's about 1,000 books that we packed yesterday. And every like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I went back to the computer and tried to find a new solution. And finally around four o'clock and I was like, okay, let's try to put this file back and see if it works from the track. And I didn't work. All the files were back on my desktop. <sighs> yeah. The worst kind of stress, the worst kind of stress. Well, thank goodness you're back on track. And I'm just happy that we're spending some time here today because this always sort of feels like a nice little break from reality, doesn't it? This doesn't feel like work when we are together talking on this podcast. No, this is the funniest moment of my week. <laughs> so who are you interviewing today? Well, that's a very good question. We did last week's interview in Sicily, and this week we are in, would you say this is kind of a central region, Vera, Le Marche? It is. It is a central region, yes. Now, Vera, can you just describe approximately where Le Marche is located? If someone's looking at a map of Italy, where would Le Marche be? Because a lot of people have never even heard of this region. Mm -hmm. So it's on the east coast. It's on the coast, first of all. It's on the east coast, so on the Adriatico Sea. And it borders with Emilia-Romagna. 
So let's say Bologna is north of the Marche. Uh, it borders a little bit with Toscana, Umbria, Lazio, Abruzzo. So it really borders a lot of regions because the Marche is like long and narrow. And it also borders with a different nation, a different country, La Repubblica di San Marino. Ah, San Marino, that tiny little independent section of Italy that's that and the Vatican City are two little sort of technically, aren't they two nations within Italy? Yes, they are. They are nations, especially San Marino. It's a nation, a country. In your segment, we're going to be talking about some really interesting things about the region of La Marche. But thank you for letting us know. I had no idea that so many different regions bordered La Marche. So the guest that I'm going to be interviewing today is Mark Hinshaw. Mark is, by trade, an architect and a city planner. So his life and career was spent in that field. And he's written a lot of books on the subject of architecture. While he was working as an architect, he also had a column a weekly column in the Seattle Times newspaper on architecture because he lived in Seattle. So he's had quite a life, and now he is basically a full-time writer who lives with his wife, who is a wonderful herbalist and healer, and they have such an interesting story and such an interesting life. And Mark is one of the most interesting people I've ever met, even though we've not met in person yet. I feel like I've got a new friend in La Marque, and now I've got a really good reason to go visit La Marque. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Mark Henshaw from the region of La Marque in Italy. Hello, Mark. It's such a pleasure having you here today. Thanks, Nathan. Happy to do it. Mark, I've got a lot of questions for you today. I'm very excited to go through them with you. Could we go way back to the beginning of your life in your your childhood where you were born tell us your life story a, a little bit um, this, is a, and, this is a five hour interview is that right <laughs> we've got all day we've got all day so so just tell us where you came now, from mark let, let me I'll, I'll do the uh you you surely don't have time for the long version so i'll just say i've lived all over the country having originated from southern california but to give you a timeline on that, that was pre-Disneyland. So a long time ago. <laughs> and, you were born uh, in California before Disneyland was a, was a thing. Right, right. And actually, almost before freeways were a thing. So... <laughs> Our next well, thing you're going to be trying to tell me is that, that you remember when all the animals fell into the tar pits. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I lived near the first freeway in the U.S., the Pasadena Freeway. Wow. I mean, that was the very first one. And, and I mean, I, I, it's not like I was born then, but that was one of the early ones. And then post-war, of course, they exploded into the whole system. But but that was that was the first literal freeway rather than a toll road like in the East Coast. So anyway, I've, since then I've lived uh, New York City and the South and the Midwest and even Alaska for a while. And uh, so I kind of had my fill of the US. I, I've 
I've in the in the course of work life, I've visited practically every city and every state in the in the country and and enjoyed it all. I mean, it's great, you know, great great landscapes and great places, uh, different different cultures and and you know enjoyed that. But but you know to cut to the chase, uh, I'd always had this back of my mind thought that at some point I would like to live in Europe. It's just, you know, it's it's easy to think about that, but then when you try to do the practicality of it, you suddenly realize there's many, many hurdles involved. And you just have to be incredibly persistent and diligent and and because they're always going there's gonna be more. I mean you get past one and there's two or three or four more right behind. And so uh, it just takes plowing, you know, powering through that and not getting discouraged. And, and sometimes it, it can be discouraging. I mean, I've, I've told people who are, you know, also going through the same thought process that, you know, you've got to be prepared for almost any, any kind of emotional situation, which can range from disappointment to anger <laughs> to sadness to complete unexpected joy to uh, confusion to miscommunication to misunderstanding over and over and over again and it's just going to happen i mean it's there's no way people love to find if there's some shortcut that saves them from that but i view it as a trial by fire you have to go through it and you just learn it's part of the cultural learning process i mean you just have to learn to do it and it's not always fun <laughs> so uh, I mean, eventually, I think there's a nice reward because you get when you get through 90% of it, you've only got a little bit left, but then you can relax and, and you know, lean into the culture. Um, but, but at any rate, that um, I, I have practiced, just, just to mention a few other things, I've, I've had three parallel careers, architecture, um, city planning, and journalism, and I pursued the first two um with bigger <laughs> over over 40 plus years and the third one was kind of a also you know also interested in that kind of in, in, having written lots of lots of journal articles and for publications of various types both professional and popular but the third one n never was quite in the same prominence and then when i retired from the first two the third one then became the the, the remaining one, and so I've, I spend most of my time in some form of writing, whether it's uh, books or or uh, uh, other articles um, for for various publications. And like the the other one that I may have mentioned or may not have is the local IT, you know, which is the English English language daily newspaper on on Italy, and so I occasionally will write a piece piece for them. So, um, so that kind of that kind of actually, I should I should um, also mention that I never had a a partner, life partner that was as keen on exploring life in another culture as I was. So I kind of suppressed that, you know. Okay, well, I've made another choice and just have to live with it. And finally, I, I ended up after multiple partners. <laughs> Uh, a partner who said, hey, that sounds good to me. Let's start on that. And so I started taking her to um, 
all my favorite places in Italy, which I've visited many, many times over decades. And eventually, you kind of work through the list of my favorites, and she said, um, you know, it would be nice if we found a place that you didn't know about either, so we could both experience it for the first time. And I said, wow, that's a neat idea. Uh, why don't you look, <laughs> look into that? So she, she found, I mean, I didn't, I'd never heard of market. I'd never heard of it. As many times I've been here, never heard anybody even talk about it. And so she said, what do you think about this place? And I said, oh, well, okay, let's, let's check it out. And after the third time, we thought, huh, this is like, this is like a secret hiding in plain sight. And let's keep going, you know, because the more we found out about it, the more we liked it and the more comfortable it was. And so, uh, you know, that we got to the point where we had gone through, um, gone through all the regions or most of the regions, not all of them, but many of the regions. And then focus on this one and then went through some of the provinces in this region and narrowed that down. And then we started looking at towns and realized maybe we better get some help because it's not necessarily a DIY project. <laughs> There's too many, too many pitfalls. And so we found after several false starts, found a really good bilingual British Italian uh, agent, uh, Mobilari. And she uh, sat with us and um, took us around to various places. And um, we, we kept not, I actually didn't respond to a lot of the players, but it just, they were nice towns, they were charming, they were visually interesting. Um, you know, it wasn't anything really to complain about, but nothing clicked until we got to this one. And then we started noticing, noticing something quite different, and that was almost everybody we met was super friendly, super helpful, welcoming, offering assistance. I mean, just stood out, like just, wow, this is like a, so amazingly different that we said, this, this feels good. Let's start looking at houses here. And so she, she, um, she found us this house. And so that's, that's what we ended up, ended up buying. And, and it's, 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 you know, I'm, I'm moving through the story very fast here, but, but essentially we were very comfortable in this town. Most of our friends are Italian now. Uh, my wife is exceedingly fluent enough to argue with people on the phone, service providers on the phone. I would, I, I, I'm just sitting there in awe, like, I don't know how she's doing this, but she's getting it done. <laughs> the, the guy comes out the next day. <laughs> so, uh, so it's, you know, we've, we've done our best to integrate into this community and, and contribute to it and be a part of it and help, help our neighbors and help our friends. And, and we get that back. We get that back in so many ways. I, you know, I've, I've said this that repeatedly that because I write about, write these, write stories about this, you know, things that happen. And, you know, I, sometimes place just makes me cry. I mean, I don't know what to say. About it. It's so, there's so, there's so, um, the, what happens is so emotionally touching that I just start spontaneously <laughs> tearing up. And I've never done that in my life. That's, I don't even, I don't even think of myself that way, you know. So I know that Italians have this sense of pathos, which is a big thing in their culture. And maybe some of it's rubbed off. <laughs> 
over over six years. <laughs> so, so it's it's you know it's a it's an interesting. I also say oh, this is often the case. It's like being a child again. I mean, you're you're relearning everything about life. And how often do you do you get to do that? I mean, you're you're absolutely starting over again, and nothing that you learned before makes any sense. You're you're starting. I mean, you can't draw on any of those experiences. <laughs> so. <laughs> That sounds like you've been through some similar, <laughs> similar things. I can't imagine saying it more perfectly that you feel like you're starting over as a child again. And the thing is, our childhood is quite a ways back, farther, <laughs> you know, farther and farther all the time. And we weren't necessarily conscious while we were going through it. The way we are conscious going through this rebirth yeah, sort of self-aware yeah, right so yeah. we're sort of standing back from ourselves in a way at least if we're you know like you are a clearly an insightful person and and you have the ability to sort of step back and look at your experiences from a bit of a distance objectively and take them in it's a real sort of storm of emotions isn't it Exactly, exactly. Uh, and it's, I, I have a lot, we have lots of discussions. And now um, my wife's son is with us, who's 30 years old. And we have lots of this. I mean, it's amazing. Every day we are going through this, like, you know, what does all, all this mean? And how are we dealing with it? And I mean, it's just this introspective kind of, kind of thing. But I just realized I did something just now, just now. I, I can't believe it. I, whenever I've done interviews and professional in the past, I've kept my answers really short, partly because I was told to do that. Keep your answers to two or three sentences. I've been talking now like an Italian, <laughs> run on sentences. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the beauty of podcasting, Mark. That's the beauty of this. The whole point of the podcast is that everybody listening wants exactly what you're sharing. In this world that is 30 second or less videos, mm -hmm. everything's getting right. shorter and shorter and shorter. Nobody has time for long conversations anymore. But I think podcasting gives us something that we are really missing and craving mm -hmm. in our lives. That's a good, interesting point. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Really good. Yeah. All that to say, please keep your answers long. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. You're giving That's us exactly what we want. I'm doing all the talking here. <laughs> That's the point. Everybody listening to this knows all about me. They're they're tired of that. They want to know about you today. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's a question based on something that you just said I want to follow up on. Would you say that Italy is somewhat of a version of the world you grew up in in maybe small town America? Well, it's interesting you would ask that because I can I can uh I can tell you a specific example that is, exa is exactly on point. Italy measures its history in millennia <laughs> rather than, than centuries. And so it's just, you know, it's really hard to compare. It's, and people like to do it and it's par great, great parlor talk and, you know, internet talk and all that. But it's, it's really hard to, it, you start making mistakes real fast because you, you jump into generalizations about well if all italians are this or italy is this or and you know italy is still 20 different countries 
because every one of those regions was owned by a different country at one point in history. And they're all influenced by the language and the food and the art and, the, and their own history and everything. I mean, it's, and, and I wasn't even fully appreciative of that, having visited this many times, how different the regions are. And it's not like you're choosing Italy, you're choosing what the Italians call paese, a place, a particular cultural place that's rooted in time. And so we don't, I don't know that we even have a concept like that in English where it's a, it's a centuries old repository of layers and layers and layers of people and actions and wars and all kinds of plagues. <laughs> I mean, you name it, just piles of things that happen to people. And they're they're all a bit different because they they had a different climate zone or they had a different set of transportation you know uh, conditions like Venice being a uh, city state of the sea and, and all of that and others were not and so um, it is it is difficult just as a preface to compare. However, I think what I have noticed is that when I in, in places that I grew up, especially in the Midwest where people were very personable and very, you know, you, you cared about your neighbor and you, you left the apple pie on somebody's doorstep or, you know, the, suddenly a gift showed up uh, that was unexpected for a grocery, uh, anniversary or something, or your, the birth of a child got celebrated by everybody in the neighborhood or whatever. I mean, those little touches, which I think have gotten lost for whatever multiple reasons, because that could be another whole discussion in the US, are still strong here. And they stand out because, of, I'll just cite this example that um, I used to appreciate how neighborhood banks in the US would be very helpful to you personally. I mean, you, you got to know the banker. He was a figure in the community. He was probably elected to the Chamber of Commerce or the Rotary Club or whatever, Salvation Army president or whatever, they, they were known as being a part of the community. And then you went to the banker and you got a loan and the, you know, sat across from that person at the desk and you had this personal conversation. And that almost never happens anymore in the US, I think, almost never. I mean, maybe once in a great while, but here it happens all the time. I mean, this is the way people behave. Uh, it's uh, based on personal face-to-face -face relationships and that's how you get stuff done now does it get as done as fast in the u.s absolutely not <laughs> everything takes longer but it's you get this sense of your of connectedness to another human or other humans plural i mean you just are constantly reconnected with them in some important way where where you, you, I mean, we now know, you know, all of the shopkeepers by first name and their families, you know, I mean, I, didn't, I never did that in the U.S. Uh, you know, we, we get together with some of those people and they, they consider us friends. We, we buy them coffees at the bar, they buy us coffees at the bar. I mean, it's just, it's just a collegial self uh, or mutually supported, mutually supported place where you know, you just get constantly surprised and 
and delighted by this these kinds of random things and they not, almost never are they expected and i mean i think i think i may have sent you the story so we you know every you know every just like other couples <laughs> um we celebrate uh our you know wedding anniversary this is number 13. um we're going to some nice place for you know nice place for a meal so we we have a favorite restaurant on the coast uh coastal town that we've been to now every every year <clears throat> and uh and so oh let's you know let's go to that again that makes sense we like it they like you know we know them well we happened to get delayed and got there late so they were just about ready to close and they were cleaning up and they were harried and you know clearly busy and we asked you know is it possible can we still eat and they said well you know we're they were nice about it but we're clearly it was they backed off i mean we didn't we didn't do it and then you know we were like instantly disappointed well now what we do <laughs> you know we were we were planning on a typical two-hour italian lunch you know relaxed lunch and so we were debating and standing on the sidewalk debating you know what should we do should we go home you know should we and we see this little bar next door that doesn't look like anything it just looks like completely nondescript i mean just like almost like you wouldn't want to go into it like well there's nothing there and so my wife said well let's see if they just have a sandwich we could at least look at the sea you know and eat this sandwich <laughs> So we go in and there's half a dozen people sitting at tables and we sit down in one of them and the woman that owns it comes up and and uh, we order wine because you know I figure well at least we can have wine here and, and you know just have a pleasant time at least she we say we just happened to say do you by any chance have any food and she said well what would you like I could make we could we could make you a plate of pasta okay that's great. Hadn't expected that. So she brings out these this, this immense platter, of course, you know, immense platter of egg pasta with shrimp. I oh, no, excuse me, with Vongola clams. And it's just like amazing. It's like one of the best dishes of that type I've, I've had ever. And we're like raving about it and, and just carrying on about it. And people around us are looking because we're like exclaiming like this. This is like, who would know that this little place could make that great of a dish. So she hears us going on about this and comes over and we tell her it's great. And she said, oh, well, I didn't make it. My husband made it. So she goes and gets her husband from the little kitchen. And he comes out and we compliment you know, all of this stuff. Bravo, bravo. And he races back into the kitchen because Sonny tells him it's our anniversary. <laughs> and plate after plate after plate of just more amazing dishes until we have this feast far more than what we would have anticipated from the other pets <laughs> and, and then everybody around us joins in like with you know congratulating us on uh, anniversary we have these great conversations with them they're trying to speak english we're speaking italian we're swapping stories we're i mean it's like it turns this potentially sad event into completely joyous and unexpected and beautiful event. And we ended up inviting all the people that they're in our village to come by and, you know, visit. I don't know if they will, but, you know, it just was a, it was such a remarkable, sudden gesture that spun into, you know, even 
more interesting things that you just it's just the type of little moment that happens here i mean i'm sure you've had similar things that you just go how did that happen <laughs> what what happened there <laughs> and, and then it's stuck in you know you've got a you've got an amazing thing you know to contemplate <laughs> so, so i mean that's just one of i mean i could i you could sit here and i could cite probably now scores of examples of that and a lot of them i have written and have turned into stories and so i told the stories in these various foreign formats. And so what I write about, what I write about is not us struggling with Italy, but the Italian people dealing with us, the reverse of the mirror. Like, what are they doing when they encounter us? And because we're foreign, we're, we're never going to be viewed as Italian. I mean, even if my wife has Italian roots, we're not going to be viewed as part of, you know, we're not, we're not part of the culture. So we're still, we're always going to be this foreign object. And, and, but they're amused by that too. I mean, they have to then do some things to adjust. And so you get this kind of interesting, but I mean, we're trying to be accommodative. They're trying to be accommodative. We're finding a middle ground and usually do. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's, it's, I hate to use the word magic, but there's almost not a better word. <laughs> I love that story. I want to quickly just ask you, what was the city? And is that your new go-to place for every anniversary here on out? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. That particular story. Yeah, that that uh, town is Porto San Giorgio, which is not a not a town well known outside the region. It's a fairly sizable town. I mean, it has all of the features of a mid-sized cities. You know, all of the all of the you know the restaurants and the stores and all that stuff. And it's just been a favorite. It's one of our favorite places, partly because it's it's only forty minutes away. It's kind of the one of the closer, bigger, bigger towns. And uh, the the little place is just goes by the nondescript name of Bandos. I don't even know what that means, but. B-A-N-D-O-S. It sounds Spanish, not, not Italian. But um, but that, you know, it's it I think we'd we'd probably go back there now, you know, because just because we even have a deeper connection with, with those folks. And um uh, so yeah, um I should also mention, you know, going back to your very first question was I, I flashed on this when you were you were talking about storytelling that uh many years ago my mother who has passed away gave me a report card from kindergarten and i had never seen it you know it's one of one of those things at that age it just goes to a parent as the child doesn't see it so i see this report card and i'm reading it and it's like the teacher has written on the written a longhand note on the one corner it said mark likes to sit in the corner and tell stories to the other kids <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> It's been in you this whole time. Right. <laughs> that is that is really great. If, if anyone was ever going to get a tattoo, that would be like a great tattoo to get somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, I guess it's been in me all this time. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's the version of Italy that's the Instagram Reels quintessential pre-packaged tourist version of Italy, which is not the version that you just described. Mm. The version you just described is 
without sounding trite, it's it's real Italy. Hmm. Uh, I think it's fair to say that. Um, I mean, and to some extent, you know, you have to also take the long view that Italy has been the source of tourism for centuries. If this isn't a new thing and it is an American thing, it may have gotten taken to extreme with with recent times, but but you know, it used to be part of the grand tour that that uh, people had to take when they were young. I went back and read Twain's uh, Innocence Abroad, which I hadn't read in a long time. I'd forgotten all about it. And he had a section on, on Italy. I was like, wow, well, let me read what he said. And he's, he, I was reading his stuff. It was almost scary. He said almost some of the same observations that I've made 150 years later. I mean, in almost the same words. And so it's a culture that's had this long lasting continuity and you know i don't think there's anything wrong with that it's traditions it's customs it's ways of perceiving things it's you know the story the adage of language makes you see the world in a different way your own language and so you know it's 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 been it's been a long-standing thing and people only get when they're tourists and i have to say this about myself as many times as i've been here i never saw any of this i not once did i see I mean, I saw great stuff and I had great times <laughs> and I enjoyed every one of those visits, but I absolutely never saw what we experience now, not once. And now I would occasionally wonder like, how does, how do you get invited to somebody's house so you can see how somebody, I mean, it just was a passing thought. Like, can you even do that? Can you get, not really, you can't, you can't just leap into it and cut out all of the intermediate steps. <laughs> I mean, first of all, People want to trust you. Who is this person that suddenly is appearing here? And so you're not going to be able to make a shortcut. You can't skip those, those steps. So, I mean, like many people, I don't want to say all people, but like many people, the first year was was rough. I mean, we didn't have many friends here. We didn't know exactly who to turn to. It was a lot of guesswork. Uh, we had, we had, we had, um, you know, dead ends that we went down and didn't didn't lead to anything, and so it was a it was a it was a bit of a. I mean, sometimes it was depressing, and sometimes we'd get angry at each other for like misstepping or misunderstanding something, and so you also have to get through that. I mean, it's uh, you're settling into something that is unfamiliar, and and you have to figure out, and there is no there is no fast way of doing that. So. And 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 as as excited as I may sound about living here, I can tell you we've had many bad experiences. I mean, you can just talk about that all the time and be horribly depressed and <laughs> discouraged. And hey, shouldn't I go back? Because I can't, you know, I can't stand. I mean, there's so many ways you can you can get yourself in a in a pickle. And not even real. I mean, real fast. I mean, and and it's still going on. I mean, it's not like we've eliminated that. I belong to uh, half a dozen monitor, half a dozen different expat sites, so I try to I use it kind of as a barometer of things going on, you know, sociologically between, especially Americans, a little bit of Brits, but you know, the English-speaking cultures, in other words, and Italy. And uh, it's interesting how there are two attitudinal paradigms. One is 
you know, everything is great and wonderful and terrific and fun all the time. And then there's the other, which is everything is terrible all the time. We can't do anything. Nobody will let us do anything. We can't, you know, we can't get anything built. We can't get anything repaired. We can't get anybody to come by. We can't, you know, and it's just, you know, we can't, we can't function. And, you know, almost neither one is accurate because one is Pollyannish and the other is defeatist or nihilist or whatever. But you just have to, I think the challenge is how do you, how do you get into the middle ground and sort, sort through that so that everybody can have, go on, move on with a, with a good life, you know, and it's work. I mean, it takes work. It, it takes effort to do that. It's not just hanging out here and having Peritivo and cafes, which, which everybody talks about, you know, as being the, the quintessential fun thing to do. Truth be told, we got over that after the first year and maybe once a month we'll go out for something like that, but it's not a daily. I mean, there are sure there are some Italians that do that, but it's not, that's just a minor part of, you know, minor, minor part of the whole thing. <laughs> You're so, right. You're right. That's, that's, that is a very, very true statement. That is not, that is not how all Italians spend their, their six to seven o'clock hours of the day. I've got this theory, it's kind of simplistic, but that the Puritan ethic, the roots that we had in the U.S., basically has taken our emotions away over over many you know many years. That showing emotion, showing strength of feeling, is a bad thing. It's like it's like you, you shouldn't do that. You know, you should be. You should be stoic. You should be restrained. You should be, you should be mannered. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be expressing yourself too strongly. You could. I mean, all of these things that have been sort of sociological, religious teachings, and Italy never had that problem. I mean, they're, they won't. They, they to to folks here, expressing yourself is a in any strong way. The the pathos again, any strong. And you know, by the way, that word. I, I have rarely used myself now and used it twice in the conversation, but but before I always had I always gave it a negative spin, like it had something to do with sadness or grief, pathos. That was my meaning. Well, I looked it up in Italian, it doesn't mean that at all. It means strength of emotion, which could be the other end of the spectrum. And it is all about you know comedy and tragedy of life. You need both. And you need to talk about both. And they love it. They knew it naturally. I mean, that's why we hear them talking so animatedly all the time. We think they're angry. <laughs> and we, we listen to our neighbors across the street just having lunch, and we think, they're going to kill each other. And they're probably just talking about the sauce. <laughs> what we as Americans are, I think, afraid of is like once we've exposed our vulnerabilities, we, we've learned not to do that because then people tend to prey on those and they're going to use it against us. And so we're not able to be as open and as vulnerable. But when you're in a culture where everybody's in on the gig and everybody sort of allows everybody else to air it out and maybe they don't bring it up or maybe they do bring it up and then they fight over that again, I don't know. But what whatever they are doing here, I do feel that it is healthier somehow yes 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 and and i you know you could you could go on about this in a lot more depth 
But after all, America is all of these cultures mashed together. And a lot of the cultures are like that, whether it's Middle East or Africa or China. I mean, they display some of those same characteristics. So how is it they all come together in one country and somehow it gets lost? That's weird. That's just weird. What's 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 driving that out of them? I mean, <laughs> that's a really good question. That's a really, really interesting point, Mark. I'm going to have to think about that one because because it, when you do bring a whole bunch of groups together that have nothing in common except where they live, maybe where they work and where they live, you're going to you're going to end up with a different flavor than where that group yeah. originated yeah. from individually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting stuff here. I love this. And you're very intuitive because a lot of the questions I was going to ask you, you've already covered. So I love Whoa. that. You know, it's so good. It's so good. And we've covered such interesting things. So I want to I wanna read something that you wrote. You mentioned these different expat groups. I guess I'm in a few, even though I'm not a Facebook yeah, person. I spend like maybe five or 10 minutes a month on Facebook. See, I gave up on Facebook like 10 years ago when they made a big change and then I never mm -hmm. went back. But you're doing, I think you're, you're, you've got the secret to doing Facebook, right? Because what they do really well on Facebook is they've got communities where you can really connect. And it's sort mm -hmm. of like, I feel like the best version of social media is to have a group of people that are trying to figure something out that they've mm -hmm. all got in common or share mm -hmm. stories whatever yeah. somehow i don't even know how mark but somehow i saw a notification that you posted in some group i guess you needed a source for a story you were writing about infrastructure in italy and mm -hmm. you no know, you said does any do any of you have, have no have any of you noticed you know infrastructure projects in your town and and i just mm -hmm. I'm always responding to journalists that are reaching out, and and so I saw that. I'm like, oh well, I don't I don't know who this Mark Hinshaw is, but I'm gonna reply to him and tell him what's going on in my town here in in Veneto, and and that was how we got connected. And then I started reading your articles, which I just really love. And anyone who wants to read very thoughtful pieces well written from this brilliant storyteller that we're talking to today we're going to share at the end of this episode we're going to share how you can follow mark yeah. and all that but i want to read something mark that you wrote just about two weeks ago called the collective vacation reaffirming community in italy i'm just going to read a couple lines that you wrote and then i want to have you follow up on it so you write it's taken me six years to understand something about Italian culture. Despite being a legal resident of the country for that long, my epiphany was about how Italians help maintain their traditions, rituals, and artistry over time and throughout generations. Several things got in the way of seeing this. First, my American experiences gave me a blurry lens that saw only the surface of what was happening. Second, what I witnessed in the summers when it's hot and families take their vacations is not normal daily life. Finally, the two years of COVID pandemic 
disrupted the pattern that I began to see several years ago. Now these patterns have suddenly returned in full force. They are clearer. So Mark, could you just expand on what you mean by that and what sort of clarity have you gained about these patterns that you've been witnessing? Well, I've, I've kind of touched on that to some extent already about uh, the importance of personal relationships that go beyond beyond just family um, that 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 branch out into the community and uh, it's uh, it, it wasn't probably it probably wasn't going to be apparent until I spent enough time uh, and seeing enough examples for it to, to be clear and and maybe the it is you know that's why I added the third one that maybe the disruption of that helped because when they snapped back into place that whoa that's what was missing for two years because nobody did I mean it was almost kind of shocking nobody did the hug double kiss fearful of that you know transmission um, people did not do touching um, they didn't stand close they didn't have close conversations. Um, there was a sort of a, a reluctance to engage in groups. Uh, we, the, a lot of collective, a lot of community things were suspended. Um, so you didn't have the music even. Uh, you just had nothing. You just had what you saw on the screen, you know, like sitting at home. And that's what everybody was, was doing for two years. And then all of a sudden I was, I was saying, oh my God, they can't lose this. This is, I hope this isn't gonna disappear. And sure enough, it didn't take very long. It took about maybe six months before people got come. Cause you know, during COVID you could never tell. You remember the era when people, oh, it's, it's only gonna be two weeks or oh, six months we'll be back to normal. And you know, it just went on and on and on and the curves went up and down and people just kind of gave up like, well, I can't even plan. I mean, we had no visitors for two years cause nobody could plan a vacation. They couldn't plan a trip. They didn't know what, what was going to be happening so it when it came back came back with kind of a vengeance and people people are now back to what they were doing pre-covid and and so it's this it, boy are they, is that standing out you know the the community meals the the music in the street the i mean we we have a uh, we have a, a new person that lives in the street and he has he plays several instruments and he's playing them every night. You know, we get a concert every night, uh, wafting across the street. I mean, not a, I'm not talking about a raucous rock concert. I'm talking about, you know, very melodic Italian, you know, uh, operatas. <laughs> so it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very almost romantic, hyper romantic kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, they're all these things just came to they came to light again because I had the, the circumstances converged and um, and so we've you know we've we you know a lot of these things this, this village is so small that oh I, I actually I have to tell you a, a funny story that just popped in my head but in a second um, the village is so small that you can hear an event happening I mean for a while we were going how do we know when these things are happening and how do we how there's no posters up there's no there's nothing on the internet how do we know well it's because you can walk by it and see it. <laughs> the people you know down the street and sitting at their group tables and having you know having a great time or the dancing 
that the teenagers do that synchronize dancing down in another direction or any number of things that happen. And so, or you hear by word of mouth, you know, the old fashioned way. Somebody just says, oh, are you going to the thing tonight? You know, it's like, yeah, I guess we could. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just a, it's just a funny thing. And, and there are little behaviors like um, many Italians are, this is a little bit of a stereotype, but are known for being late to everything. I mean, there's just no, but never anything does anything start at time. I mean, for the first two years, I would go to concerts. I'd be the only one in the in the auditorium for the first half an hour. Go first, everybody, and then finally the performers would show up, and the stage wouldn't be prepped or anything. And then uh, 45 minutes after that, the audience would start showing up. And so, you know, I just okay, this is the new paradigm here. So I started showing up late. And so I'm sitting, this is like a, uh, this is like before COVID, but I'm sitting at my desk and the windows open in summer. And I hear, uh, I hear this concert starting. I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That concert, that's, it's starting now. That's what it was advertised. It's, it's six starting right now. I'm like, <laughs> I thought I had another hour at least. So I, I rush up there and there, there's an audience there and there's an orchestra there and I mean it's a whole thing and I sit down and I ask an Italian person sitting next to me like what's the deal it started on time he said oh they're Germans the performers <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> That is too perfect. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes those uh, those stereotypes are there for a reason, aren't they? <laughs> right, right. I love it. That is a very good story. I want you to share about this incredible partner that is the best partner that you've ever had, the most supportive partner you've ever had in your life. I know I'm going to have a lot in common with your wife because she's an herbalist, she's a healer, she's an alchemist. She tell me a little bit about her, what she does, and and she's. I've been watching some of her videos on YouTube, and I'm very inspired by her. <laughs> that's a very sweet thing. I'll I'll pass that on, Nathan. That's a very sweet sweet observation. Without divulging a lot of personal, private, painful stuff. Um, I should, I could summarize it by saying that we have um, saved each other because we both, in, in, in completely different ways, but we both had uh, parts of our life that were sad and tragic and hers much more awful than, I, than mine, but, but still, we both, uh, I was not in good health. Um, and I didn't think I'd live past 70. I didn't even know if I'd make 68. And so, you know, I, it just seemed like I was at the end of my life. I had done everything, so so to speak. Um, it was, I mean, I would be depressed sometimes. I would think, uh, what else is there to do? I mean, what else, what else can we do? We, you know, I'm done. I'm, I've finished everything. Worked all my life, had all these experiences. So that's it, right? And, uh, and, and I was, I was declining and I mean, I was, a, I felt literally like it was the end of my life declining. 
and and in some measures physically physiologically i i was um i mean that that became apparent and so um when we met i discovered that she had some things that were very difficult about her own past and we kind of ended up using our own skill sets to revive the other person and so that created this this bond i, I think in relationship and and so we, we we brought each other back and and so and then we realized that we had we we could go beyond that 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 just bring it back to stasis but if we really worked and we really pooled our talents we could accomplish all sorts of amazing things and so one of them was how do we how do we do this huge move in, in life and so we both contributed to figuring that out um and you know it, it changed both of our lives we are now i am by many measures healthy again um and some of it's just by the mere fact that the food here is better or or the the, the exercises daily by just walking every place um and she now has a partner who in contrast to previous partners supports her in every endeavor she wants to take on and enables that so she can do things that she never felt like she could do before and so she's flourishing and and she keeps adding another thing you know another yet another thing to her list of things that she wants to do and and they've been on her list you know they've been on her wish list all, all her life but never had any any support financially or or just psychologically that would say you, these are good things you need to do them you're good at them go for it and so um so that's you know that's kind of this this the, the story in a in a nutshell and it, it's not to say we don't have huge disagreements and falling that falling out it's not always ideal and it's there's difficult stuff and arguments and misunderstandings too like anything so um but generally speaking we've got and and i should add this is kind of now we're i just realized this the other day we're kind of growing an italian style family we now have her son and he's about to bring his fiance over to join him in the school he's attending and they will surely have you know their own plans and so we're kind of building this family community which i've never thought of myself as a family oriented person that was part of my story i never i never could get into a relationship that way and so it was a failing on my part now i'm realizing oh this feels really cool <laughs> I, I i'm enjoying this <laughs> this is like you know it's like you know sometimes uh, there's that also that other adage that you know you can't pick your family you can't choose your family you're born into it and so whether you like them or not you're stuck with them well in a sense we've built our own family out of people we like and so it's 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 just a, it's another way of another model for family building a family and so it's 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 really i mean it's it, a lot of self-realization this this country or this culture i think lets you do that now now in fairness i should also say just simply the fact that i've got time retired allows me to do it too and not everybody's in that same you know that's not that not everybody has the ability to do that i understand but but at least it's a, it's a it's a place that doesn't discourage it and seems to provide a, a, a venue or a 
medium through which you can kind of think about these things and explore them with other people and be not be ashamed or embarrassed to reveal something like you're saying that's vulnerable because nobody is going to attack you or use it build it up in a in a arsenal of weapons to use on you later you know that's i don't know how we even think that way you know isn't it that's a weird i mean i know exactly what you're talking about because it's happened you're reluctant to tell a partner or somebody something because you think oh i know they're going to use it against me at some random time and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to tell them about this. And so you end up keeping secrets and you end up <laughs> lying to cover stuff and you end up making stories up that aren't true. And, and then it's just a mess. She's a brilliant woman and an artist in her own right. And I hope she doesn't have a, she doesn't have a love for writing like I do. Um, but I hope that at some point, even if it's after I leave this world, that she writes her own stories and shares them because uh, some of them are just like amazing i just uh, my jaw drops when she tells me about some of not all of them great <laughs> but amazing you know things that happen to people in life so um but it, you know i feel fortunate and being really really lucky this is the longest relationship i've been in and uh and the longest actually i realized God, like I, I can't believe that i just realized this a few days ago this house that we've lived in for six years is the longest house I've lived in, in my life. Because as an American, you know, statistically, we move every five years, even if it's just in the same city. We move, we're constantly moving. Like we still have this pioneer ethic in our bones. And so, I mean, I ended up 22 houses that I've lived in in my life. And so suddenly this has become the longest. <laughs> it's like, it's, now it's you know it's the it's the it's the home it's the true home it's just all these little these these funny realizations self-realizations pop up her nickname is sunny and uh, her last name is bertolini which is ins you know this is another thing when you say an italian last name they know exactly where that name is from i mean she she doesn't it's like one more sentence and they they get Oh yes, that's we know. We know the. <laughs> it's like amazing, but because it's a little town north of Rome, where her family's from, and I, apparently that particular name is associated with that town. Um, and uh, so, uh, and she she did. I mean, this was a brilliant move on her part. It was she was using her previous married name when we got married, which I liked. I thought it was more. It was more melodic than. Her name combined with mine, so well, it's fine. Keep your old name, and she changed it legally to the Italian back to her, her family name, and just just by having that name open some doors. I mean, not not anything that's you know nobody's going to let you get by with ignoring a law or something, but it's just that's a conversation starter. Is is the name like oh yes, they're they're that family is north of Rome and. That, ah, we've been there we've and then they you know go spin off onto some others related subject but but she uh she's become very fluent as i said uh, i think it's in her genes is what it is. <laughs> well not taking classes just learning it you know i mean we picked this town because we didn't want expats around us in large numbers so we'd be forced to learn the language just by immersed in it all the time and just having to figure, having to listen to it and get the grammar and get, and now, you know, it's not perfect. And again, 
in contrast to, to make another stereotype, the French who get offended if you start to speak French, Teresa seem to be fine with if you if you make mistakes, they're not. I mean, they might even not even correct you. I mean, just you know, they're just they know what you're. They generally know what you're talking about. And even if they don't, they they would say, uh, you know, you know, no capito, no. So you you have to then try again, another explanation. And so um, they're they seem to be much more forgiving and allowing you to learn. And because partly they want to learn English, so. It's sometimes a fight, like which language are we going to be talking? About? <laughs> <laughs> talking English? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's a very kind thing that they do. It's very hospitable. What a beautiful testament to your marriage. And I know those of you who are listening to this podcast can't see Mark. I'm looking at him on the screen. Mark looks like he's a man in his, I don't know, early to mid-50s to me. What a gift that you've lived your life in the United States in all those different areas. And you've done, like you said, you've accomplished a lot. You've written a whole bunch of books. You had a column about architecture in, in Seattle Times. I mean, you've done a lot. Your projects over the years, you've done an incredible amount of things in your lifetime. And that must have been very fulfilling, but there was a whole side of you that was unexplored, untapped. Mm -hmm. And from what it sounds like, from if I'm hearing correctly, Italy has been the place where all those pieces that you didn't have in mm -hmm. your very successful career you didn't have the family, you didn't have the family home, you didn't have the relationship, you didn't have that sense of community maybe, this coming together of all those missing pieces. I mean, what a gift Italy has been for you. Yeah, oh, I absolutely, I agree. You're, by the way, a great psychoanalyst. <laughs> you, you charge by the hour here. <laughs> Listen, I'm just a good listener. That's all. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. That's what that's what good analysts do. Is they just you tell your own story and they just listen and and repeat back. <laughs> but um, well, yeah. And and by the way, I, I'm not a, not embarrassed to say this. I'm not, I used to be uncomfortable to say what my age. I I actually would lie about my age. I was so so embarrassed that I would drop off. You know, five or seven years from. You know, I just turned seventy six. And I do not feel that <laughs> that age at all. And I think part of it is Sonny has kept me, uh, Sabina has kept me young, feeling younger. And and some of that herbally because of all the things that she gives me that have worked and that keep me from uh, keep me from succumbing to other illnesses, which older people can do. I mean, that's you get more fragile, you get more frail. You get more susceptible to you know uh, things that you know get in the your breathing system or whatever and um i mean it, just a, an example of that that i was sort of good news or bad news good news that um i i took a tumble a couple of days ago i mean i tripped over something and just did a face plant on the hard you know and I knew, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you, you feel it going, you know what's going to happen when you go down, you know, that, that split second of the fall. 
So, oh, damn, you know, this is not going to be good. Whatever, whatever happens here, this is not going to be good. And I fell on my knees and I fell on my elbows. And, and it was like, oh, my God, this is like, I, you know, okay, now I'm old. <laughs> it's happening. It's beginning to happen. You know, I'm losing my balance or whatever. And so Sunny rushed in because she picked me up first and sat me down and got me calmed down because it was all agitated. And she said, let me put my uh, quick heel salve on your, your knees and your elbows. 24 hours later, I felt nothing. I mean, there was like not, no pain. I mean, it's just gone, just completely gone. What? I mean, that's, <laughs> that is itself, you know, a minor miracle. And like it never happened, you know, and crazy, crazy stuff. But I mean, that's just one of many things that it, just in terms of that subject alone of medicinal treatments. And now she, 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 um, she can't do this aggressively because it would mean opening a business and that's got its own, as you know, horrendous <laughs> barriers and hurdles to cross. So she basically to neighbors and friends, she'll give um, things to, for treatment. And then she just says, if you'd like to make a contribution to the cost that I incurred on this, that's just leave something on the table. You can decide what it is, what your, what the value is. And so sometimes they, you know, they'll leave a decent amount, sometimes just total amount, but it's okay. It's okay. I, I don't mind helping helping people out. And so uh, so the word has gotten out. She is she has largely wears white and in flowing, you've probably seen the pictures. And she is in, in this province known as La Dona Bianca. And she gets stopped on the street by people who have heard that she is the she's the medicine woman. <laughs> <laughs> the herbal medicine one. Oh, wow. So, Bianca, the woman in white, right? Yeah, right, right. The uh, lady in white. Wow, that's, uh, you, you know, you said you hope that she writes. Me being a, a horticulturist and someone who's spent my whole life in that world, but not what she's doing, making these wonderful salves and syrups and tinctures, mm -hmm. I hope that she takes her knowledge and writes a book about that too, because I mean, that, yeah, yeah like, there's so yeah, exactly. many people that want that in our world today. You know what I mean? We want to go back to the natural ways, get away from these big drug companies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think she will. And, and I've even offered to be the ghostwriter for it since I can do that, but she just doesn't, she has so many other projects that she's taking on. It's like, she, I can't add another one. <laughs> so, there's no rush for anything in time, but that's, that is a really, really wonderful thing that, and you mentioned, of course, the food here in Italy. So Italy and your lifestyle and your wife and everything, it's, it's making you a healthier version of your, of you. What a wonderful thing. Let's finish up here with a couple questions about your region. This is a more traditional area, uh, not fast paced. Um, you know, there's there's things that are not convenient about it to that from an American life perspective. There's no big international airport. I mean, the closest one is Rome to us, and that's three hours away. It's not terrible, but it's not like going down to the airport half an hour away. Um, or we can go to Bologna, I suppose. Um, 
and that's still three hours, three plus hours. Um, there's no, uh, there's no, there's not a, if you were, if you were a traveler or a tourist, there's not a big network of hotels and accommodations that you can go plug into and craft a, a vacation. You know, I, I, you have to pick through all of these locally family owned, locally owned businesses and they don't often advertise, you know, and, and so when we have people visit us, I always point out to them these places that would they they don't even have a website. <laughs> they're they're just they get enough business from just people in Europe that hear about them. So they don't need to, you know, they don't need to blast out with all sorts of promotions. Um, but I, you know, I direct people to them that there are some of these very nice places that they can stay. Um, uh, by the way, I should <laughs> another side. We had a it was a fanciful dream that we would have uh, a lodging accommodation because you know I say to all these bed and breakfasts over the years, oh, wouldn't that be fun? You know, wouldn't that be great to you know just kind of kick back and you'd meet all these interesting people from around the world? And we did that for about six months, and then we went, really, <laughs> that's a lot of work <laughs> every single day, <laughs> mm -hmm. and we really just want to do that, you know. And we said no, you know, so we don't. Occasionally, a friend will stay, but for the most part, no. We're just not gonna, we're not gonna have you know, a business operation like that. So, um, but it was, you know, a rude awakening. Like, no, that wasn't really that much control. <laughs> Changing bed sheets and, and and linens, washing linens, and fixing people breakfast at you know eight a.m. when they want to take off for you know their own schedule. But they're just a lot of it's. They're more smaller towns, smaller villages. Um, you know, there it, it there just isn't there isn't the same economic conveniences that we all take for granted in the U.S. And and this is where I, I tell people when they're when they're looking to move, the natural tendency for Americans, I think, and maybe to some extent Brits, is you go right to the house. Well, let me find a house. Let me look online for a great house. Well, that's actually the wrong end of the the lens to be looking through. You have to you want to find the place, the village, the town, then go to the house, go to find the house. But if, because in the U.S., no matter where you live, whether it's Tennessee or New York or California or wherever, Alaska, you're going to find about the same level of goods and services anywhere. It's going to be there. The big boxes, the chain stores, the restaurants that you're familiar with. But you know the city is going to have good opera or good movies or whatever. It's just taken as a granted. Here, that's not the case. Every place you go, it could be radically different from like zero goods and services to a lot. I mean, more than you could ever have. And so unless you tease that out, unless you find your the, the, the comfort zone, you could be making a huge mistake and suddenly realize you own a house, you will not be able to put back in the market and sell because of the real estate market being sluggish. And you're stuck now. You made a bad decision. And so it's like, don't do that. I mean, look at the look at the towns first and like we did where we suddenly locked in, like, wow, this is this place is for us. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Well, first of all, this is also not a region. You know, I think next to Molise, this is about the least tourist <laughs> region in the, in the country. 
I think I saw that map once and I went, wow, it's like like down at 4% of the <laughs> And I think it's because, again, there's no international airport. There's no big city like Florence or Siena or Bologna in it. There's, there's, no, um, there's no infrastructure of freeways that take you everywhere quickly. There is on the coast. The trains don't go inland. They used to 100 years ago, but not anymore. So you're stuck, you know, the coast, the coastal regions, which are the more tourist populated, you know, Italian tourists, I'm not very much international tourists, but, but um, so it's quieter. There are fewer choices. Yeah, it's everything is, is, is like a quarter speed, you know, from the US. And so if you're impatient, your ex expectations are you're going to get services immediately if you're going to get stuff done quickly it just isn't going to happen it is not going to happen and you'll be constantly frustrated and so we even we even devised this rule of thumb that that sunny likes repeating more than i do but you basically can get one thing done a day maybe two and if you get the third one done you want to you want to thank dollar powers because that's going to be unusual and it's just i mean if you have a you know we use it you, you've done this too or you have the to-do list for the day we just gave up on that that's like impossible you can't have it doesn't doesn't work something's going to happen that will stop that list coles <laughs> exactly oh man i can relate to that and i like that i'm going to remember that this interview we're doing right now is officially my one important thing for today so i'm <laughs> I'm feeling very accomplished now. Right, right. That advice is so sound to find your community and then search for the house. And it's you're right. As Americans, we we do it the other way. We 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 start searching for homes first, I feel like, more more than than a town. And so we're we focus on the private space for us. How luxurious or why or how you know luxuriant or uh, comfortable we are in a space in a single owned space that we have versus the importance of people or you know who are going to support you and so that's I mean it's it, it is it does match <laughs> but I mean you have to just break that you just break that thing it's it's not a sacred thing it's just like how what we learn from our parents or grandparents or watching beers. I mean, we all bought into that same mindset and you just stop it, just break it like any habit. I, I actually want, you know, you know, you have read uh, the travel writer, uh, Rick Steves. Of course. From, from, uh, yeah, he, he uh, his, his uh, headquarters is north of Seattle in the town. And I, I got to, you know, I've, I've met him, I've talked to him a couple of times, I've chatted with him online a few times. I noticed that in reading all of his tour books and he talks about Italy and all of that, but he has never said much about all about market. And so, you know, I thought, huh, well, how, that's kind of weird. So I, I asked him, do you know about this region? And he said, oh yeah, I know all about it. I'm just not writing about it. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting answer. He saw, he saw what his own writing did to the Cinque Terre. And I mean, it's basically so over touristed now, you know, the trails are, are failing. They're having to close some of them down seasonally because they're so overbeaten by all of the, by the day trippers. 
they the backpackers and people that come through there and and so i mean i i thought thankfully back in the early 80s before this phenomenon happened and they were charming quiet little fishing villages beautiful things but now i mean i've, I've been once and it's like wow i mean the crowds are just oppressive and so th that's the problem with with a lot of travel writing travel articles is they all talk about the same six places in italy and it's like why are you doing that does the does the world really need a, another article about the magic of venice or the mysteries of florence or the the wonders of the cinque terre i mean they've been written about hundreds of times for hundreds of years no one needs to know everybody knows that <laughs> that's not news anymore why don't you go out leave your leave your desk and try some places that are not on the top 10 list like the place you find i mean check that out what there's Every, every part of this country is fascinating in its own right. You're just being lazy as a writer. I mean, you know, go go do the real journalistic investigation, not just reading stuff on, stuff on Google and repeating it. And so um, it's just unfortunate that um, when Americans think of Italy, it's, it's those six places always. It's the same. It's Tuscany. It's Venice. It's you know it's Rome it's it's Siena it's it's the Cinque Terre and it's like the same six places and then they think that's all of Italy that's Italy you know and it's not it's not and I'm not saying that's not there's real places there I mean I have good friends in all those places I mean they're they're fine in their own right but it's not I mean this is a huge country I mean it's relatively small geographically but I mean it's so rich in all of its places and origins and history and arts and all that i mean it just why not take there you know there was a writer who wrote a book called the image back in the 70s and he said there there and it's kind of a trite thing but you know the two kinds of people there are people that like to be like to take risks when they travel and people that like to take no risks when they travel they want to be sure that everything that happens is worth their money worth their time, that, that it's got a measured economic value to it. And they don't want to take any, have any adventures that might lead to confusion or, or disappointment. And so they never go out to those places because they don't know anything about them. And, oh, I would get lost or we wouldn't understand where things are. Or, How would we find this or that or what? And that's where life happens in those accidents and those mistakes and those efforts and those missed opportunities. And, and just like, you know the story they told about you 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 got one disappointment that gets replaced with a magical moment and and you know that doesn't always happen i mean we've had plenty of disappointments and we just stop there but occasionally something happens and you just go whoa you know i'm noticing this part of life i've come to actually have a bit of gratitude for the fact that so many tourists are very content to get on a tourist bus or train hop from major city to major city and check every one of those yeah. you know the amalfi coast and sorrento and all every one of those spots off of their list and go home and tell everybody about their fabulous trip and show them their pictures and say oh my gosh i can't wait to go back mm -hmm. i've come to to the point now in the three years or so that i've lived here of being so grateful that that's the way the system is set up. 
because because we get to avoid that completely or if we want to enjoy one of those areas for any particular reason maybe we've got friends visiting or family or however we maybe ever find ourselves in those places we know when to go and when not to go but what a lovely thing i mean i was raised on rick steve on pbs rick steve's travel uh, tours of europe that he said i know about it but i'm not writing about it i i find that to be a very <laughs> lovely lovely thought uh because you know if you look at pictures online of le marque and i i drove through there i've driven through there twice now some of the loveliest people that i've ever met in italy were there mm -hmm. You live in a beautiful region. There is a, a section of coastline. I don't know if you're a beach person or not. Yeah, well, no, we are. We go. We try to go to the beach once a week. Don't always don't always do it, but we try to go. And we have. Uh, I mean, this it, it's it's almost kind of ridiculous to say this because it sounds like bragging or something. But but we have basically a private beach. I mean, there's hardly anybody that uses it, and we found it. I mean, we easily found it, and we just we just set up our umbrella and chairs in the surf you know like the movies <laughs> and you know and just sit in the sit in or go out and swim or whatever but uh there are there are other people around but it's very very scarce it's not like the you know the beachfront towns with all the umbrellas and the oh. chairs that are set up i don't i don't like that at all but there there are places like that here too but there are also places that are more remote and 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 calm and and so that's what we 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 have a favorite spot that we that we go to but um but yeah i mean there's plenty of there's plenty of coastal coastline here for people to enjoy and so yeah um yeah we we, we enjoy the beauty. We, that's one reason why we picked this town is that we we like the mountain mountainous environment of the pacific northwest where we came from but we also wanted to be close to the water so we're we're 40 minutes from the beach 40 minutes from the mountains and that was one way that we narrowed down the field of towns was let's look at those towns that lie within that arc of you know in that territory of equal distance you know so mark can you tell me about how can people find you online and then also tell me about the most recent book that you wrote about italy oh yeah sure well uh first of all i am on facebook so uh, you know, it, it, I don't mind people contacting me there. More, there is an older Facebook. I've never figured out how you get rid of a Facebook page. I can't, <laughs> I can't figure out how you delete it because it seems that I can't. I can, I can never see the part that says delete, get erase. <laughs> and so this old one still sits there from like 10, 15 years ago. But the the current one has got me in a uh, in these red glasses, <laughs> red scarf, and you know it's a more Italianate look than the other one. Um, but so people should make sure that it's the right one, uh, and, and you can probably tell pretty easily because I've got lots of photos of the area and all that. So I'm mean, filled with all sorts of things about Marque and Italy and all of it. I, I don't I don't mind an email either. I mean, it's just, it's tinshaw.mark at yahoo.com, as I told you. I don't, I mean, that's okay. Um, but, uh, 
when I started on this exercise of writing, uh, I've written multiple books, but they're professional books and they're aimed at professional uh, competencies in, in various areas. And so it was, this is now a different, completely different form of writing, which is narratives about real people and experiences and places and all that. It's, just, it's they're meant to be little, little story, uh, visual, verbal story telling of, of what it's what it's, it feels like to live here in, a, in an emotional way and not, not just not just have a great you know great architecture and all of that stuff i mean so many people write about that don't need to add to that body of work and it's not also like so many uh, american writers who write books and get themselves published it's not a blog because you know that's only one step up from a diary who you know how, how many diaries are really that interesting to <laughs> and then it's all about them which is another problem it's all about how they're doing in this place i'm not interested in any of that i want to know i want to explain these the people the culture that's here if i can do it and, and not all, i am not always successful at that i'm guessing it i'm, I'm assuming things i'm figuring it out i'm observing things so and i try to do it with a sense of humor so it isn't just didactic. It isn't just an uh, analytical thing. It's, you know, uh, this is this is the comedy and tragedy of life. You know, so that's my objective. I'm, I'm this thing. Um, so I have wrote it all in English. I spent a year doing it. Actually, during COVID, it was a way of keeping sane during COVID. Because what else you're going to do? And so I wrote all these these chapters or all these stories. And I happened to just as I was coming to conclusion, meet this. It's actually. A, the man that we're now having such a difficult struggle with, or who, with falling out, he would generously uh, he offered to read it, and then even more generously offered to connect me with the publisher, and um, he did. And now the publisher is a really good friend, and uh, he took on the thing like a project. He said, "I will, I will take this on. Um, I will pay for everything involved." I'll find the translator and then work with that translator to make sure that it it's not just a literal translation because I saw that version and it's not it's not it's not a it's it's you know it's like doing a Google translation it may be correct but it's not not conveying you know the sentiment and so he transformed it then from the Google translation to or the, that style of a literal to a more uh, florid, more flowery, uh, more descriptive Italianate version of it. And actually, I prefer reading his version because that they also make me cry. <laughs> they're, they're much more evocative than my style of the Mark Twain. And, you know, I'm, there may still be the humor in mine. There may be those cute stories. But when he does it, he does it in a way that you're just like, and I've heard him when we go around doing uh, readings, he tell some of the stories. I want to hear more. I want to hear more of these stories. I mean, he tells it in such a such a gripping way, you know, with his hand motions, Italian hand motions, and his emotive voice and his emphasis on certain things that like I wish I could tell a story that I mean he was really a good storyteller. And so uh it's published in Italian. Ironically it's not published in English because we can't find somebody who's, we can't find anybody who's interested in doing it in English. 
we've tried multiple ways. We just haven't been able to find anybody. Now we're we're coming to agree. Okay, let's just self-publish. Let's just get it out there because so many people want it. They they it does require the Italian version does require knowing Italian and knowing literary Italian, <laughs> not just conversational Italian. So it would be a challenge for even even somebody with a modest understanding of language. To, I mean, it's a it's a it's a different it's a fact he said it has to be in this form to be accepted as a piece of literature in Italy because they expect it to have this format um, verbal format and so uh and of course I didn't know any of this this was all discovering new stuff but he he also might decide he said ah oh, well we've sold enough Italian copies we can uh, we can probably do the English version now and so we're in the middle of that discussion it's just not available yet, uh, but current stories, and I should, I should say that the, the, this book, which was written now almost three years ago, in the first year of COVID, is the stories of when we were naive and not understanding much of anything. So it's as much if there's any me humor in it, it's about how foolish we were or how crazy we were or how we misunderstood something. Navigating Paradise is the title. And that is the that it will that is the title both in Italian and in English. So um, Navigating Paradise. Right. Navigating Paradise by Mark Henshaw. And Henshaw is H-I-N-S-H-A-W. Well, Mark, I have to tell you, this was delightful. Thank you for your time. Thank you oh, yeah. for spending a couple of hours with us. Well, you're a good interviewer, very interactive, very uh, animated. So <laughs> I appreciate that too, a lot. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your openness because it's a pleasure to have a conversation. And this is not an interview so much, it's just a conversation. A person who's, who's willing to share openly and in depth and person who's a natural storyteller is a real pleasure to interview and you have been a true pleasure. And I just have to say, as a, an aspiring author myself, I'm very, very impressed. I have a lot of respect for someone who can move to a country, not speak the language and get, especially a country like Italy, that's like the literary cornerstone mm. of, of the world. I mean, how does it feel to have left your, your mark as an author in this country of Dante, you've left a, a book in Italy. Like, what a wonderful achievement. This is an example of where your life can sometimes exceed your dreams. And I never dreamt that. I never had it. I never thought that. I, it didn't even, didn't occur to me that, that would be possible. And so it wasn't, it wasn't anything that I aspired to. And it just sort of happened through the, the Italian way of connections and relationships. And so I feel very privileged and grateful. And and what just to mention a couple of other things that um, about that that are significant to me. I mean, I, I'm I'm I've come from a profession where I got rewarded a lot by awards and commendations and you know all certificates and all. So I'm I'm you know I got lots of strokes going through that part of my life, and I I I know what that feels like. This is like a this is like an order of magnitude different because people first will stop me on the street who I don't know and they'll tell me that they they recognize me from 
something or somebody has told them, oh, there's that American writer or whatever, and they'll tell me they've read my book and they, or their family is reading the book or sharing the book. It's like for an author to get that directly from reader, I mean, there isn't anything, you can't even put a price tag on that. It's like, it's like so personally rewarding. It's sort of beyond, I don't even know what words to use. And then I was at a festa back in the Ferragosto period of August, and this woman I'd never met kind of came up to me and introduced herself and said she was a, a Italian writer, an author, and she'd written like eight books on Italian culture. And she had finished my book, and she said, you are saying very important things about our culture that the world needs to know. And damn. <laughs> wow. I mean, unsolicited, a kind, you know, I mean, I'm used to writers being almost vicious, you know, like they won't acknowledge somebody else's achievement, you know, they won't do it, you know, oh, my stuff is so much better. And just like, that's just, I mean, it's the, the, I told my publisher, you've given me a gift that keeps on giving, you know, this is like, uh, I, I, I have not ever experienced this. I've not thought I would experience this. And it just keeps happening in multiple ways. It's just so touching so human so elementary that it's it's like you know you it's just like if, if it hasn't happened all your life and now it's suddenly happening what's going on here <laughs> i think it says a lot about you mark because you can come to italy and really remain the same person that you are or you can allow italy to sort of soak into your pores and and you can embrace Italy in a way that it embraces you back. Yes, exactly. Good way of putting it. You're, you're living that. That's an inspiring thing. And thank you. We're going to be following along. We're going to be reading. I know those of us who can't read Italian are looking forward to reading that book when it comes out in English. So I'll be certainly updating the audience when that Great happens. Time. Well, I'll, I'll be making some announcements on these in these various groups. And you'll surely see one of those when it happens. So. Perfect. Well, okay. Mark Henshaw, I want to thank you again for your time today. Thank you so much for just sharing so generously with us. I, I really appreciate you, and I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. And and I'll bring you a wonderful bottle of Prosecco from the Prosecco Valley here. Perfect. Well, that's good. Thanks a lot, Nathan. This, I'm glad we got in touch, and, and uh, perhaps we can do this again or even just offline <laughs> so. absolutely absolutely my friend thank you so much right. and uh, we will certainly be in touch okay. Ciao. Ciao. vera don't you think that mark is one of the most interesting people that you've ever heard in your life absolutely i mean what a change from seattle and being an architect to the market and, but what I really, really love about this interview is the story that Mark shared about his, well, their uh, anniversary celebration, mm -hmm. because that is like Italian hospitality at its best. When we really want to be, you know, nice, we can really do that. And if I remember correctly, it was their 13th anniversary. So they got married in 2010, like Luke and I did. So maybe for our next anniversary, 
we could all go to that restaurant together and celebrate our 14th. Ah, good idea. Now, I'm curious, Vera, you're a native Italian. Do you think that you experience these moments of magic, Italian magic, the same way we do as foreigners? Or do you just think it's just normal life here in Italy? I thought about it, you know, because every time I go abroad, something like this happens to me, something magic, no matter where I am. And it happened a lot in the United States. People, you know, just being kind for no reason, extra sweet and so on. Uh, Maybe because, I don't know, last time I was there, Luke and I were on our honeymoon. So, of course, you know, they could tell. And so, you know, a little gift here and there or just, you know, a simple congratulations or what's that beautiful language you're speaking? What's that? Let me let me know more about it. Well, when I'm here in Italy, that never happens. And I think that it's, there are two factors here. The first one is that we, like everybody, tries to, you know, show their best side to foreigners because it's like, let's them make them feel welcome here and show them that we are so, you know, sweet and nice. And it's something that comes natural everywhere. So probably what I experienced abroad, uh, people from those countries do not experience that home. And then the second thing is that you know your people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a, a waiter, a restaurant owner or whoever just sees an Italian coming in and from the way they walk, they talk, they dress, they judge already. They know what they're saying. I mean, most of the time they're right. So what happens is that you're not that sweet and kind if you have, you know, already sort of understood that person and you don't want to share with it. So probably we should all move abroad. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe sometimes I try to share too much realness about, oh, it's, you know, moving to Italy is not easy and moving to Italy is, you know, you're going to face this challenge and that challenge and this challenge. But one of the silver linings of moving to Italy for sure is that for the entire time that you're here, you're sort of in, I don't want to call it vacation mode, but you're like in surprise me mode. Like you're open to the magic and that makes up for a lot of challenges. When you have these moments of unexpected surprises and delights, like what Mark shared or Veda, you just shared about you know, really lovely things that happened while you were on your honeymoon in, in the East Coast of the United States with Luca. It's a really, really good point and a really good observation. I think that that's something that as foreigners, we have to look forward to. And Le Marche is not uh, one of the most famous Italian regions. I mean, not even Italians go there that much, but it's a beautiful region. And so probably it's even better because, you see, if you go to Venice, Florence, Rome, they're fed up with tourists. Here, it was something really, really magic. So that's why when I go abroad, I love going to the tiniest places, you know, because you see the real people and the real people see you, not like as a number, as a tourist, but as a person and magic happens. Hmm, I like it. Okay, tell us some magical things 
about this sort of hidden gem in Italy, this this region of La Marche. And can we start, Vera, with a question that I have? Because I've heard two versions of the name of this region. I've heard Le Marche, and I've just heard people call it Marche. So which is right? Are they both right? Tell us about that. Okay, fun fact. Marche or Le Marche is the only Italian region which is feminine, plural. Ta-da! Last week, we were in Sicily, La Sicilia, but we all say Sicilia, okay? No article. Uh, Toscana is feminine, Veneto is masculine, but all the regions are singular beside the Marche. Marche is plural. Now, the official name is Regione Marche, so Marche region, but it's in the plural, okay? So we say... Le Marche sono belle. Sono, not è, like the singular is, but are. Okay, so it's all in the plural. And when we speak in the plural, it it's just our language, our grammar. We want the article there. It just sounds, it's like the United States of America, but Italy, mm-hmm, sort of, because the United States is plural. So it's the same idea. So is it the United States or United States? It's Le Marche or Marche. The official name is Marche, but we put the Le in front when we talk because otherwise it's not a correct sentence. Okay, so Le Marche. And what about this name? Why is it plural? Well, we will talk a little bit about the history of this region, but there are two versions. The first one is that uh, during the medieval until the Renaissance times, there were a lot of families that were ruling over that area. And so they were like Marquis, so from Marque, like their area. Or the other version, the other, I mean, not legend, but, you know, possibility for the etymology of this word is that it's from the German Mark, which is like area or something like that. So basically, because Marque is made up of many different things. There were a lot of little states, little cities, and you have mountains where you can ski. And you have beaches, like very long beaches right there, beautiful. And, you know, hills. So it's all hills and mountains. I don't know. It's like combined. And in um, 1860, you know, when we got to the unification, almost got to the unification of Italy, and Marche was annexed to the forming reign of Italy, it got the official name as Marche. So from Marca to Marche in the plural. So that's... That's the weird things about the Marche. It's the first, the only uh, region in Italy that is plural. Now, we said that it's a central uh, region and that is not that famous. The province in the, Mar- in the Marche are Ancona, which is like the capital city of the region, Pesaro Urbino, so actually two cities that form one provincia, uh, Macerata, Fermo, Ascoli Piceno. Probably you haven't heard of those, have you? Um, the only one that I know from recognition is Ancona, because we drove through there when we were driving all the way down to Puglia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, it has a population of about 1.5 million people. 
And it's so it's the 13th most populated region in Italy. And in size, it's like the 15th biggest region. So not that big. So you see, it's only 158 uh, inhabitants per square kilometers. It's like it's the 11th most populated region. It's like in the middle of all the tables and everything else. And it's in the center of Italy. And you know, like every region in Italy has a flag and a symbol. And the symbol for Le Marche is the letter M. So you see that on their flag, the letter M, that is like half, the right half is the letter M, like normal writing. And the left is like, um, picchio, come on, un woodpecker, woodpecker. A woodpecker? <laughs> yeah, the bird. We say picchio. Mm -hmm. Because that was an old symbol for uh, the Piceni population that were there. Anyway, so that's the flag with the picchio. That's kind of cute. And, well, obviously, Le Marche, like every other region in Italy, has a very long history. The very first signs of, you know, settlers was uh, in an Iron Age. <laughs> and in the 12th century before Christ, uh, the first settlers there were the Piceni, Piceni, and you know the one of the provinces is Ascoli Piceno, a beautiful city. I've been there like twice because I love it. And well, anyway, this Piceni population uh, later, so after the 13th century before Christ, they merged with the Etruscan. So they mixed with the Etruscan. And the Greek colonists, remember the Bagna Grecia from Sicily? So they were also there in the southern part of Italy, but they went up to uh, Le Marche. So they sort of merged with Greek colonists of Magna Grecia. So you see even there, it's kind of a lot of a real Mediterranean population. And then with the expansion of the Roman Empire, and we're talking about, uh, I would say, 300 BC, so before Christ still, the city of Ancona became like a strategic location for, for the Romans because it was the port through which they could go and come back from the east. So it was the door to Italy while traveling east. And Ancona is still one of our most important ports here in Italy. And then after the, um, the fall of the Roman Empire, Carlo Magno, do you know who Carlo Magno is? Because I don't know how to say that in English. Carlo Magno in 1773 <laughs> <laughs> decided to donate at least part of the Marche, so part of the actual Marche, to the Pope. Mm -hmm. And then, as it often happened in Italy, starting from year 1000, um, many cities... Uh, became sort of states, sort of little nations with these um, powerful families that were ruling, that were uh, in power, like the Malatesta, uh, Brancaleone. There are a few that are quite famous if you love Italian history or art. Anyway, by the Renaissance, you know, uh, the, the, the whole Marca di Ancona, so how this part of the Marca was called, was absorbed by the papal state. So it became part of the actual Vatican state, the papal state. And then, you know, after Napoleon, uh, this area became a republic. 
And then finally it merged with Rome. So it was part of, um, of Rome, of the nation of Rome. And then, as I was mentioning before, in 1860, it got annexed to what is now Italy. Mm-hmm. You know, a very long history with people from there. And it's famous, you know, even though it's a region that nobody talks about, there are a lot of famous Marchigiani. So there have been a lot of famous Marchigiani people from the Marche. Uh, they were born there. For example, painter Raffaello Sanzio. Did you know that Raffaello was from the Marche? I didn't, but I'm happy to know that now. So he was born in Urbino in 1483. And then we have the famous Italian poet Giacomo Leopardi, 1798 in Recanati, that's where he was born. And then we have composer Gioacchino Rossini. So he was born in Pesaro in 1792. And then we have the famous educator and much more Maria Montessori who was born in Chiaravalle in 1870. And if we get to more modern times, uh, we have the former motorcycle road racer, nine-time Grand Prix motorcycle racing world champion, Valentino Rossi, born in Urbino in 1979. Wow. There's a lot of famous people that came out of that quiet little region of Le Marche. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's small. The main cities are not that famous, but Le Marche, Le Marche is the region in Italy with uh, the most Borghi più belli d'Italia. That is sort of a blue ribbon, you know, like a, a prize given to the best Borghi, the best little villages of Italy. In the market, there are 29 of them. You know, like you talked about the orange flag, the blue flag for the sea and the beaches. There's also this Borghi più belli d'Italia because you, you heard the story, right? The history behind this region. There were many battles fought between uh, the Romans and the emperor who wanted that area and then people from the east. So they needed a lot of fortified villages fortified castles so there are a lot of beautiful beautiful villages and smaller ones so that's why they're not so famous you drive through the market and you see all these rolling hills and then turning into very high mountains or beautiful beautiful beaches on the other side on the coast with all these fortified villages and towns it's it's beautiful it is le market <laughs> okay you know i always talk about food right when we are traveling we are zigzagging through Italy. Well, that's now, one of my favorite parts, Veda. <laughs> talking about dishes, the most famous dish from Le Marche that is actually famous all over the world, even if you don't know that it's the name, it's olive all'ascolana. So olives made the ascoli piceno way, mm-hmm. olive all'ascolana, and that is, Big olives, okay, it's a special variety, that are filled, like stuffed with meat. And then they have all this crust running and they are deep fried. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's like finger food, but it's just so good. And they fry sort of everything down there in Ascoli because aperitivo is kind of a big deal to 
and finger food in general. And they even fry custard, like a, a, a sweet cream. Yeah. And it's fried. And when I was there, they were like, yeah, you have it with your aperitivo. Don't worry. It's not a dessert. I mean, it could be a dessert, but you have it right now. And it was just amazing. So, so different. So yeah, Olivia Lascolana, you probably, I mean, if you went to an Italian restaurant, you probably had some olives, but the one you find outside of Marche are not, I mean, they're frozen and they're smaller. The ones in Ascoli Piceno in that area are just amazing. Then another dish is Crescia, which is a flat bread mm -hmm, um, that is usually, you know, filled and it's really, really good. And then we have uh, coniglio in porchetta. So it's rabbit, uh, but it's filled with fennel, bacon, and minced meat, and liver meat. And it's like, yeah, this second dish. There are actually many. And one with a funny name, which is vincisgrassi. Vincisgrassi. It's even difficult for me. That is a sort of lasagna. I mean, it looks like lasagna, but you know, we are Italian, so we are very specific you know, with our food. So it's a shape like a lasagna. It has the pasta sheet like lasagna, but you don't have the regular ragu inside. You have um, ragu that is made with meat, like mixed meat and giblet, like the organs of the animal. I don't know. <laughs> and then bechamella mm -hmm. and parmesan cheese. But those are dishes then we have like the food and products the most famous are of course i love it because i always get it it's the best patata rossa di col fiorito so potatoes yeah red potatoes now col fiorito is actually in umbria i know that but it's like at the top of a mountain one side is umbria one side is le marche And they can grow this special IGP potato also in the market, so in that area. So it's considered one of the products, IGP products for uh, Le Marche. So among the produce from Le Marche, we have maccheroncini di Campofilone. So maccheroni, small pasta, you know, but it's made with, you know, ingredients from that area specific and they're just amazing and something that I really 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 love yeah maybe I should consider the market and moving there because I really love everything there Chauscolo I swear the first time I had Chauscolo I couldn't even repeat the name and I couldn't remember it and for days after that look and I were like what was that called Chuscolo we couldn't just remember because it's you know such a weird word Chauscolo And it's a meat spread. It's like a spreadable sausage uh, made with pork. That sounds so strange. <laughs> Why? Spreadable sausage. Yeah. It's sausage. We, we know that you love meat and potatoes. <laughs> and so, of course... You love the potatoes and you love the spreadable meat from this region. <laughs> I mean, you eat it raw, okay? You don't cook it. You eat it raw. We do raw. eat sausage raw. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're the one who moved to Italy. So when in Rome, <laughs> do like the Romans do. And when you're in the market, eat chauscolo. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm done. Chauscolo. Anyway, wine. Wine is also very good. You have 
Verdicchio dei Castelli di Iesi, which actually won the a prize last year, two years ago, as the second best wine in the world mm-hmm. of one specific cellar producer. And I don't remember, but yeah. And then we have Rosso Piceno e Rosso Conero. Okay, so very good wines, not as famous as your Tuscan wines, but still very, very good. Hmm. And I would like to end, you know, my <clears throat> segment about the regions of Italy with a song and a movie. Now, for Le Marche, I couldn't actually find a, a song or a singer from there, but there is more of a like a traditional music for a folk dance uh, that dates back to the 1300s and is still played today, sort of traditional, but it's still alive today, uh, this tradition, and it's called Saltarello. Saltarello. So it's like from the word saltare, from the word salto, to jump, to skip. So, you know, it's like a kind, nice music. While movies, there are actually quite a few movies that were shot in the Marche region, but if you can find it and you can follow it both in Italian or maybe with English subtitles or whatever, my movie suggestion for you is to watch Il Giovane Favoloso, Il Giovane Favoloso. So the fabulous uh, young man that tells the story of the life, I mean, yeah, very short life of the famous Italian poet. Giacomo Leopardi. So you watch an amazing movie. Uh, you see his native town, Recanati. You see a little bit of Le Marche and you learn a little bit about one of our most amazing authors. So important for Italian literature. Mm, very interesting. I love these music and film suggestions. What's the dance called again or the music called? Saltarello. Saltarello. Sartare, saltarello. Yes. I feel like that would be just the sound of that music. You just know that it's lively, fun music to listen to just from the yeah. name, don't you? <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm sure that Mark and his wife, Sonny, know exactly what that music is. I'm sure they've become accustomed to that. And speaking of that, thank you so much, Vera, for sharing that information about Le Marque. I love it when you share the information about these regions that we visit because it really helps us to have a well-rounded view for what we can expect if we're planning to move there or considering which region to move to in Italy. So thank you for that. That's wonderful. We're going to share one of our surrounding sounds from Mark something that he attended in his local town recently. But before we do that, I want to quickly give a shout out to our sponsors. ExpressVPN is a product that you're going to need for sure, whether you are traveling in Italy or moving here full time. It allows you to use public Wi-Fi safely without having anyone hack your data, keeps you from being tracked by big tech companies, And it allows you to use your streaming services and make phone calls and send text messages as if you were still back in your home country. So it's very, very useful. And for our listeners, you get three months for free when you sign up for a one-year package. So you can go to imovingtoitaly.com and follow the links for ExpressVPN. Also, Babbel Language 
is, in my opinion, the very best Italian language learning app, and I have been using it for the past year, and I find it to be very, very helpful in helping with everything from vocabulary to conversations. It helps with everything that you need to learn better Italian. So check out the links on imovingtoitaly.com for Babbel Language, and thank you to Babbel and ExpressVPN for sponsoring us today. Also, if you are looking for some excellent help with your Italian language, be sure to reach out to Vera, our wonderful in-house Italian language expert. Vera is the owner and operator of Kike Language, and you can visit Kike Language, which is spelled C-H-I-C-C-H-E, language.com, and sign up for one of Vera's group classes or one of her one-on-one coaching classes. I meet with Vera every week, and as you can tell, my Italian language has greatly improved over the past year since Vera has been helping me. I don't know what I would do without her. Check out Vera for any Italian language help that you might need. Also, as I shared with you in the past couple of episodes, I am offering coaching for anybody who needs help moving to Italy, whether you need help with something very specific or you need help generally, or you need help with something that you're stuck on. I've got a couple openings every weekend on Saturdays and Sundays. You can go to imovingtoitaly.com and sign up for one of my coaching sessions, and I will help you with one-on-one private coaching. And I will be offering this. It's going to become more expensive to do it in the future because I'm going to have courses that I'm going to share with you that all you have to do is just purchase the course, download it, and do it at your own pace. I will always offer one-on-one coaching, but as the courses become available, the one-on-one coaching, I'll do less of, and it'll become more expensive to do it. So if you want to do it now before the prices go up, visit imovingtoitaly.com. I'll have you fill out my very, very detailed questionnaire. And then you can move forward with one-on-one coaching with me. I'll help you dot all your I's and cross all your T's and make sure you're following the rules and doing everything legally and efficiently to move to Italy. All right, that brings us to our surrounding sounds. And today's surrounding sound comes from Le Marche and actually an event that Mark and his wife attended recently in July. And I shared with you also one of these similar things that happened here in my town of Conigliano. And for the first time since the pandemic, these spectaculos or these outside plays that have music and dancing and choreography, and they tell a story. This particular one from Mark is the story of Marco Polo when he was visiting the Orient. So these surrounding sounds were taken from that event. So enjoy, and Vera and I will be back afterwards to say goodbye.
Oh, doesn't that sort of make you want to go to one of those wonderful, what are they called, Vera? Spettacoli? I don't even know how to call them because, you know, there are so many here in Italy and some of them are simply spettacolo. Some of them are more uh, sort of reenactment or something or sfilata storica, parata. So we even use the word parade. But there are so many and they're all so interesting because of our long history. And every city uh, you know, is very proud of the way they toss their flags or they play their drums. And it's just so fascinating. I would go to every single one of these events. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, make sure we add that to our list of things to do on our zigzag across Italy that we're going to be doing in the future in person, not just virtually like we're doing right now on the podcast. Vera, thank you so much for bringing your wonderful energy and for coming back again this week and educating us and enlightening us about this beautiful country of yours. Well, thank you for having me here and for letting me share everything I know about the beautiful region of the Marque and the beautiful country where I was so lucky to be born and raised. So, vi aspetto tutti in Italia. Ciao, ciao. Whatever you are listening to the sound of our voices today, we hope you are healthy and well, and we look forward to being back here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.